You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome to the Acme Packing Company podcast feed. I am Justice Mosqueda. This is Intercepted. I'm joined here by Kyle Posey of Niners Nation. Say what's up to the people, Kyle. Yo, what's going on, man? Um, how's life? I know you're you're uh, you're in a little ice situation going on there, right? Yeah, Portland's been getting getting uh it's pretty bad ice. I think we got like an inch on the ground right now. The whole town is shut down. Uh we don't take care of roads. It's unfathomable to me that we don't take care of roads as someone who used to grow up grow up on a mountain. Currently wearing a blanket around my legs. Uh the heat is turned up and I'm wearing a beanie indoors. So that's the situation I'm in. So the DeAndre Aiden thing that happened the other day, people thought that, you know, he just didn't want to go to work. But I was like, no, like it's I heard it's like really yeah. Bad. So if, for people who didn't catch this yesterday, um, DeAndre Ayton, who's now playing with the Portland Trailblazers, uh, wasn't able to suit up for the game because he couldn't get from his house to Motor Center. Um, that's not a joke. Like the Blazers sent out people to try to get him out, and they couldn't. Yeah, like uh, basically, like it's just a bunch of ice. Everything is an ice rink right now, and snow is fun. Ice a whole lot less fun. But enough about that. Um, the Green Bay Packers have a football game to play, and the 49ers are, uh, I guess, the opponent in the crosshairs this time. I actually solicited questions for uh, this week's Intercepted, so um, we're going to run through them. Um, we'll just go one by one. This is from, uh, I believe it's Ama or Ama. I'm not sure how you say the name. Um, how confident are they that the secondary with so many injuries to key players? Um, I don't know if that's for you or for me. I was gonna say, <laughs> should we should we both answer it? I guess. I from a Packers perspective, one, I think Jair is gonna play. Um, he didn't practice at all this week, but Joe Barry on Wednesday, we're recording this on a Thursday. Um, on Wednesday, said that Jair is in a better spot right now than he was, you know, in the same position last week. Um, he didn't practice, but Lafleur seemed a little bit confident that he was going to be able to play. I think they're just giving him the extra day. I mean, the Packers just straight up did not practice on Tuesday. They had a walkthrough on Wednesday, and then they had, you know, probably another walkthrough on Thursday. I don't know what they officially called it. Um, at the time of the recording, they haven't officially listed out the injury report, but, uh, you know, Matt's been, been uh, able to say, you know, who's been questionable and who's out. The only guy who's out in this game is Kingsley and Iqbare, who um, had a knee injury. I mean, he probably tore his ACL, so I don't know why they just haven't made a corresponding uh, move this time. But you go ahead and what answer about the Niners. Yeah, like I can't imagine a situation that exists where Jair wouldn't play, right? Um, like, they're going to shoot him up. He's going to tape. He's going to have his ankle triple taped probably. Um, I, like, he's a gamer. Like, he always plays. Doesn't he always play through stuff as it is? Yeah, I mean, he's been playing through, like, a shoulder this year, too, um, which is why I thought it was so funny when fans 
you know, Jair had that little spurt for a while, right? The Carolina game that made national headlines, right? Where he ended up getting suspended after the game for walking out <laughs> and being a captain. And guys were like, he doesn't want to be around anymore. I'm like, he's just an odd dude. He definitely wants to play football and he definitely wants to get paid that money. So yeah, I, w- I wouldn't worry about Jair not wanting to play, but how about your end for the Niners? Yeah. So the 49ers that uh, Ambry Thomas, who took over roughly about the second half of the season, as a quote unquote starter. He missed week 18 because he had to have hand surgery, but that was the plan. Um, he, he actually wore a cast during the final week that he did play, but he, he returned to practice. They were down both of their starting safeties. Jerry Brown's missed a little bit of time now with a knee injury, but he's going to play. He's, he's ready to go. And then their veteran safety, Tayshawn Gibson, he's been banged up as well, but they're, they're all practicing in full. Whether sorry, I guess it's it's been limited earlier in the week, but they're fully expected to play. Like the way Steve Wilkes has talked about everybody in the secondary on defense is that the expectations they'll be on the field. So the 49ers are playing the last couple of games without a starter here and there, whether it's a secondary or it's up front, but all those guys are back and healthy. So they'll be as healthy as possible outside of um Cleveland Farrell. This comes from our buddy Paige. What's the bet this time? Has to be a Twitter Avi bet. Whoever oh, wins. Oh, yeah. I'm down for that. All right. Damn. I, Got I should one. start picking out what it is. <laughs> um, new, we're, nuked, come, Paige. we're nuking Niners minus nine and a half, by the way. I don't like that it's that high, but we'll, we'll get to it. What does that tell you, Justice? Yeah. yeah. Um, third question. This comes from Schlong Connery. Great, great name. Nice. Campbell has to go. Are Kittle and Debo in the middle of the field more concerning than Ayuk and CMC? Really feels like Shani is going to put our linebackers in a blender. Uh, I agree. Uh, we recorded a podcast yesterday where we tried to talk about the uh, trenches exclusively for 45 minutes. You guys can find that on the uh, Niners Nation podcast feed. I assume your YouTube and stuff, too, if you guys want to go listen to that. Um, you called it the Shaniscope when we yeah. talked. Uh feel like that's what we're going to get a whole lot of, right? Um, I've talked about it on this podcast before. Um, you know, spread formations really gives the Packers problems. I really fear that 21 personnel set where you don't know if they're going to be under um, under center in the I formation with check in the backfield, Kittle with his hand in the dirt, and McCaffrey in the backfield, and, you know, Thibaut and Ayuk on the outside, or they could just go empty, right? So it's kind of pick your poison in terms of do you want to line up to that in base? Do you want to line up to that in nickel? Um, I don't think that there's really anything that the Packers can do other than hope that pressure gets home, right? In that kind of a situation. So that's, I'm glad you brought that up. That's where I was going to go. It, the question, I, I feel like the better way to look at this is what is Joe Barry going to do, right? Is Joe mm-hmm. Barry going to do what he did last week or is he going to do what he did all season? So like he's been doing what most, you know, competent coaches do and throwing wrinkles and, you know, doing different things against what they usually do. But, like, at his core, he wants to bring pressure. Why does he want to bring pressure? Probably because he doesn't trust the people on the back end. I think what they did last week where it's just like, hey, like, we're going to sit back and we're going to – I don't want to say – I don't want to say they're going to wait for Dallas to make a mistake, but, like, that's effectively what they were going to do. They're going to keep everything in front and make you methodically move the ball down the field, which in today's NFL is very hard to do, no matter how what your defensive metrics say. So um, I think he's going to do that because if you do blitz the 49ers, that leaves everybody one-on-one that we're talking about. Right? And like, 
they usually win those matchups, like no matter what you do. And, and Purdy, um, despite what Devontae Wyatt thinks, is, is actually shredding pressure, especially when they blitz this year. He's number one in success rate, number one in EPA per play. But like essentially across the board, when you bring pressure and you blitz the 49ers, they're going to score a touchdown. If not, general, like I, they're going to have a big play, but at the very worst, um, they're moving the ball. So I, I think that's how we should look at it. I would be like to answer his question. I mean, the Kittle matchup is terrifying, right? Just having a knowing that he runs like he ran four or five, but he's really faster than that. His acceleration at this point is probably going to be better than whoever's guarding him. And like, I, it's the two linebackers we talked about, right? Against Kittle and McCaffrey. One of those guys are going to have the advantage every time. So, like, the middle of the field, right in front of, you know, Brock's line of sight, especially when he's staring down and replacing a blitz, that that would be uh, scary for me as a defense. Yeah, so, like, maybe um, – because for, for as much as we talk about this quarter system and the team playing back and stuff like that, um, they do blitz a lot, but it's not – in the conventional sense of the blitz. When people think of the blitz, they think of Cleveland or Baltimore, right? Where they're sending nickels, they're sending inside I'm, backers. I'm... Yeah, exactly. You know, it's, you know, the the wink stuff, the bowls stuff, all of that, right? But bowls, by the way, I don't know if you guys caught on to it. Bowls would play like a 4-4-3 against Jalen Hurts. They only had three defensive backs on the field multiple times in that game. Um, you know why, right? They're not scared of hurts. <laughs> Throw well, well, yes, <laughs> but even when like think about the offensive mind that we're just going off rabbit hole down rabbit hole here. Think about the offensive mind that Shane Steichen is, and even him at their peak, it was like eights and nines, right? It was just outside the numbers, deep down the field, like nothing was in that intermediate portion where right. offenses like Shanahan and McVay eat you alive. So you can run those types of defenses. When you know they're not going to throw the ball over the freaking middle of the field, like your linebacker doesn't have to cover ground. So, right. like, and if anything, Bulls should get credit for doing something like that. But um, uh, talking about these two teams, like, that's going to be, it's going to be opposite, right? I feel like they're going right. to live over the middle of the field. Yeah, for sure. Um, what I was going to say about the kind of situation, right? So, the, the, the way the Packers blitz is they really just have five guys on the line of scrimmage, right? And they just keep their defensive line on the line and they just try to get a hat on a hat on linemen, right? Um, so maybe their response to that is maybe play a little bit more nickel um, and get that extra body in coverage um, just because, you know, you can finally rush four and not have to do it with dropping Preston Smith, right, at outside linebacker. Um, but that does invite the run a little bit, right? And, you know, it's not like McCaffrey can't tote the rock. It's not like check can't block. It's not like Kittle can't block. So it'll be something interesting to look at moving forward. Uh, fourth question, Hugh Hernsman, I believe is how you say this name. Why is Carlson dropping the ball short of the goal line on kickoffs? Easy answer <laughs> is to bait them into returning and backing them up. But what is the risk for maybe getting them back on the 18 instead of the 25? Carlson is inconsistent on field goals, but at least they, uh, but at least use the leg that they brag about. Um, yeah, Rich Passaccia confirmed it in the press conference this week. He said that they are purposely kicking it short in that. Honors is doing everything that he's being asked to do. Um, the Packers are dead last in uh, touchback percentage. Apparently, there's going to be a little bit of wind in this game. I know Basachi, the way that he was talking about it, he was like, I think we'll get 
some return attempts in this one, which is totally different than Dallas, where Aubrey just kicks it through the back of the end zone in a dome all game. Yeah, early in the week, the wind was supposed to blow upwards to like 13, 14 miles an hour southeast, which is the direction that the stadium is too. So um, at some point, whether it's, you know, first and third or second and fourth, whatever it is, uh, whoever scores is going to have to be, they're going to have to be on their P's and Q's when it comes to uh, kick coverage. Yeah. The way the Packers talk about it, it's, you know, no one's covered more kicks than us. So it's something that we're good at. I'm not sure if I fully believe that. I, I do think that their kick coverage unit is pretty good. Um, their special teams is still ranked 32nd in the league, though, when you look at, like, overall picture. A lot of that is just, you know, I think Anders has missed something, like, just in seven of his last nine games. He's either missed a PAT or a kick. Um the team isn't getting touchbacks right. Uh, the team also is leading the NFL in special teams penalties, which usually don't come on kickoff, right? It's usually kick return. So we'll see if, you know, attempts to return the ball in the wind also turns into penalties to start offensive drives. Um, this is from Hoosier69420. Another very good, very good name, right? How, how creative. Um can you go over some of the schematic differences between LaFleur and Shanny? I think when I think of LaFleur and Shanahan, one, I think a lot depends on the personnel that they have around them and they do adapt to the guys around them. Um, I think the biggest difference right now is simply the eye formation stuff. You know, it's something that Shanahan is actually willing to do. The Packers, the closest thing that they have to a fullback is DeGuara and they've slowly phased him out of, uh, you know, out of the rotation and offensively. But I'm interested in hearing what you have to say. I think as far as being compatible to their personnel is the biggest compliment you can give these guys. Think about yeah. what the Packers have done uh, these last four games with Aaron Jones, right? They're like LaFleur's nature is to run inside zone this year. Like over the, se- over the course of the season, like they run inside zone more than any other play. But since these last month, when Aaron Jones has been the featured back, it's 47% in the final three games outside zone. Last week, freaking 60% of their runs were outside zone. Why? Because they don't have to hand the ball to A.R. Dillon. It's Jones. What does Jones do well? He's shifty, right? He wants to get to the edge. He wants to use his speed and his agility to cut back. So I think in that sense, uh, they do a really good job. I think Kyle wants to play. And, again, this is probably more about their teams. I think Kyle plays with a little bit more pace. Um, they both love to run the ball. They both, you know, do the whole play action stuff off of their running game. Um, their schemes are married to the run and pass, which is very important. But um, I, I think the pace is a little bit different. They both actually push the ball down the field quite a bit. They're, I mean, schematically, yeah. but with the way they draw it up, they both want to take shots down the field. They're not just um, in those shot zones between the 40s. Like, they're, they're looking to push the ball down the field early and often, so – uh, there are actually a lot of similarities, if, and that's not too much of a surprise given that they work together in multiple spots. So um, not too many differences. I think it's that's tough to answer, just knowing that it's going to be tied to whoever's on their team at the time. This is from Apex Era. Uh, how painful is it for the – this is three questions, technically. How painful is it for 49ers fans, knowing Brett Favre has won more recently – has more recently won a Super Bowl than they have. Sorry, English is my second language. Apologies. Uh, go ahead and answer that one. So, we're living on the laurels of the 90s, huh? Is that All what right. We're doing? 
Well, we just so came off a win against the against the Dallas Cowboys. So, <laughs> uh, do you do they send a Christmas card to Mo Drayton every year? Wow, really digging into this one, huh? <laughs> um, should we talk about the entire decade of the nineties, or are we just going to focus on one year when Brett Favre had it, or what are we doing here? Uh, is Kyle Shanahan the Kirk Cousins of coaches? Holy smoke! <laughs> Right, Apex uh, era, congrats! That, right. that, one, that one got a uh, rouse out of us. Uh, yes, si- love where this is going, Kyle Shanahan is amazing. Obviously, and the Packers would probably have four more playoff wins in the last three years if they had Shanahan. Thank you. Next question. How dare you? I do think Shanahan is the best coach of football, though. Um, Sisterless Greg, who is the wink links in the secondary, and who would be their nightmare assignment in our wide receiver core? Yeah, so. We talked about the well, we scratched the surface on talking about this. I think the Packers have really good wide receivers. I think the Pack just because they're young and quote unquote inexperienced at the pro level doesn't mean they're skilled by any means. So, Justice, Oregon Ducks fan, if I had told you four years ago that Diamond Lenore would be starting for a playoff team at cornerback, and not just like he has to play on the outside, and then when I go nickel, he moves on the inside, he does not come off the field, and he's gotten a lot better but he's still like a fifth round pick at his heart. And when teams do try to push the ball down the field, they're trying to match up Lenore, whether it's like on a wheel route or wheel route, whether it's something where they have to time it up and he's running deeper out cutting routes, whatever it may be that has to force him to turn and run and accelerate with the receiver has given him problems. And at the same time, you know, those 50, 50 balls where a guy like Reed, like I'm taking him, that's in what I was thinking immediately. Situation. I'm like, slot fade with Reed. And he, like, his ball skill, the way he tracks the ball, the way he picks up the ball, the way he times his jump, yeah. very impressive for a young receiver. He's a, he's a ball, like he's a ball winner. Started. He's yeah. a ball winner. He always has been, too. So, in that sense, Lenore versus um, Reed down the field, and like Wicks to a lesser extent, but I would probably say I'd most terrified of Lenore going against Reed. Ambry Thomas is the other corner. He's played in Michigan. He's a third rounder. He, again, like he didn't start the season, but Isaiah Oliver was so bad that he had to, they had to do something. And that meant put Thomas on the field. Thomas is a really good athlete. Um, he just lacks serious situational um, awareness. He got beat in the second half, sorry, in the final two minutes of the first half um, repeatedly during the first month of the season. He's obviously cleaned up a lot since then, but. Uh, those two are are for certain the weaker links. Um, obviously, Moody Ward's a special player, so he's very good. I'm bringing up uh, our buddy Stephen Ruiz's quarterback rankings for this next question, so I'm armed with my answer. Uh, this comes from Ryan Welder. This is the last question we got. What are the differences differences between Jordan Love and Brock Purdy? Do either one of them do something better than the other? Do either do either of them do something worse than the other? Or are they both very similar quarterbacks? I think they're pretty different quarterbacks, but I would like yeah. to hear what you say. With how they win, for sure. Yeah. Um, so when I watch Purdy, um, I actually think he does a really good job of reading what the defense is presenting to him. And when you talk about playing the position, playing quarterback like that is at the top of the list, right? You have to be able to understand what the defense wants to do, and you need to throw the ball where they're where they aren't. And he does a really good job of that. He does a good job of getting involved and a good job of um, – and he has this label that he's a check down Charlie, and that's just not who he is. 
but I think processing is probably his best trait. What would you say loves the best trait here? Um, I guess his fearlessness in the pocket would be what I point to. So um, the trait. He does a little bit of that Geno Smith unconscious play in the pocket. Stafford is another guy who's really good at that, right? Um, just being able to say like, hey, that guy is going to come loose and I need to throw this off of my back foot or this guy is going to come loose and I need to take one on the chin and just like drill this thing or um, here's pressure. I'm going to try to keep the play alive and escape the pocket and I'm going to take a hit out here, but I, I got to be able to throw a creative pass to be able to score on this play. Like I, I think that's one big thing. I think the arm strength is pretty different too, but KP, you didn't answer the first part of this question. Oh no, he didn't say who was better. He just said differences. Who's better? Yeah, that's my I question. Guess we, we were talking about how the differences, and to go back to what I was saying, like um, they both beat pressure in different ways, right? Mm-hmm. Like Love will make a guy miss, throw a fadeaway, and complete a seventeen-yard pass. Purdue will beat the blitz before the ball snapped, and I think that's important to you know just talk about differences. Yeah. Who would I rather have? Like in a blank whatever, right? I don't, I don't have the Fortnite. Have them switch situations or class. keep it. Yeah, um, I think it's closer than you think it is. It, uh, it's not as wide as uh, before. I, I, I think there is because I, I, I think. All right, we've seen these stretch action, boot action quarterbacks fail enough, right? That I think people are kind of trigger happy into saying like, oh, this is the next this, right? Um, Like, you can look down the line, like Case Keenum, I think Tua's going through it right now, right? I think there's a difference between Purdy and those guys, though. Like, I think Purdy is closer to like a more polished version of like Kirk Cousins. Like a guy, he's a, like he is athletic, and I, I don't think he gets enough credit for that. We talk about love making people miss. Yeah. He does a real Purdy does a really good job of making plays out of structure, and like he's he's not going to be like Lamar back there. But there's a decent amount of times where he avoids the free rusher, and they get an explosive out of it. I get that. Again, I I think I think he's a better quarterback than the doubters think. But I think he's probably below where most people have him, like Gen Pop, right? Um sure. I'm going through I'm going through Ruiz's list right now of his quarterback rankings. I'll tell you the all the quarterbacks I would take over Jordan Love right now. Mahomes Jackson, Allen, uh one season Stafford and then after that, I'm willing to debate. Um, yeah, your eyes popped. I'm willing to debate after that. May, uh, Dak is like in the same tier. Dak is like in the same tier. I'm taking him over Trevor. I'm taking him over Kyler. Taking him over Gino. Taking him over Hertz. Stroud is like TBD. I have not seen enough out of Stroud. I'm taking him over too. I'm taking him over Goff. Like Herbert or Love. Oh, Herbert's not on this list. Uh, yeah, I'd, I'd take Herbert. I would take Herbert. Good Lord, 
house. <laughs> <laughs> you got me. You got me. Yeah, he's not on the list, I assume, because he's injured. So, but like, how many guys so are you taking seven? over Purdy? Yeah, uh, Mahomes, Mahomes, Jackson, Josh Allen, Kirk Stafford, Cousins, Herbert. So I have them. I have five. I have five quarterbacks. I would for sure take over Love, and then I'm Kirk moving Cousins? the debate deck. Now I'm taking them. Over, I'm taking them over Kirk. CJ Stroud. That's a TBD. I'm not. I'm not willing to decide yet. What do you need to wait to see? <laughs> What's left? Got to see. Got to see more of it. Was outdoing the win total by double not enough? Do you want me to say love? I'll t- I'll say love. Um, so I can have it on record and throw it back in your face for sure. Yeah, sure. No, honestly, not? Stroud um, couldn't do anything against my Oregon Ducks, so I'm already winning. At the at the same time, Love is a first round pick, and Brock Purdy is not. I think, right. like, what are we really arguing here? If anything, Purdy should be propped up for what he's been able to do, um, which they've done a really. That's what good I'm job saying. Of. It's I'm like we're we're that. in such a weird spot where it's like, it's almost like uh, you have to like buy or sell someone's stock. At, at certain points, and we just cannot accept what guys are and praise them for what they are. Like, I, I think, like I said, I think Purdy, honestly, like right after that tier, right, that we just talked about, where I'm like, Stroud, I'm not totally sure if Love is better than him. Dak, I'm not totally sure if Love is better than him. And then I would have Love, right? That, like, three-person tier. And then right after that is Purdy. And yeah, one of these guys we, like, one of these guys we're crazy excited about. Right, everyone can't stop talking about love. I understand why. You know, week eleven on, he has twenty-one touchdowns and just one interception. But then we're also dragging down Purdy. I'm like, but he's not. He's not Tua. He's not Hurts. He's not. He's he's not one of these flash in the pan guys. I don't think. I think he's a better. Yeah, cousin. Well, he's, he's done it longer than Hurts has already. Um, he's done it longer than Tua has already. He can play outside, unlike Tua can. Um, I mean. I, I do like, in a weird way, I like Kirk quite a bit. Uh, I know he has obvious limitations. He's just I'm so inconsistent. That. Yes, he like you know what you're like. You know who he is and what mistakes he's going to make. Um, we don't really see those mistakes out of these quarterbacks who we're talking about right now. Uh, they both make extreme <laughs> mistakes. Like when they do make mistakes, it's like, oh come on, like what are we doing here? But at the same time, think about how young they are, how experienced they are. So. Everything has to come with a caveat when we're talking about these guys. Both quarterbacks. Pretty good. Pretty good for young guys. Um, Very. Let's take a break, and then uh, we'll get into the nitty-gritty of breaking down this game on the other side of the, uh, of the, uh, of the break. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. 
Real Traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering, so you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected, and 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back. All right. I want to talk about this Packers offense facing this Niners defense. This Niners defense obviously loaded, absolutely loaded on the line of scrimmage. That has probably been the best thing for or the thing that the Niners have been best at on the defensive side of the ball under Shanahan. I think it's kind of funny that uh Bob Sala, right? Like obviously he's not there, but he kind of got the whole thing rolling as DC of the Niners. Um former Seahawks guy. And he really yeah. took in the mentality of we got to have a good defensive line, which is the opposite lesson everyone learned from that Legion of Boom Seahawks era, even though they had Michael Bennett, Cliff Averill, uh, yeah. Bruce Irvin, all these guys rushing the passer like crazy. He seems to be the only one who was like, guys, the key to it is pass rushers. And he's made it work at two different stops now. You remember Michael Bennett, guys? You remember Averill? Uh, yeah. What are we doing here? Uh, <laughs> and they paid him nothing. They paid him absolutely nothing. Um that's where I start with this Niners defense because, you know, the Packers offensive line historically has been good at pass protection. This unit is probably not as good as it has been in the past, but they do have a couple of young stars like Rasheed Walker has been hanging there at left tackle. Um, he's probably a better pass protector than he is a run blocker at this point. I think you could say the same thing about Zach Tom, the right tackle. They're both going to be tasked with, uh, you know, the whole Nick Bosa thing, and uh, that's going to be a tough one. It's the first time that the 49ers are going to have Bosa, Eric Armstead, Javon Hargrave, and Chase Young on the field since week 13. Um, Armstead's been out since then. Hargrave's been in out of the lineup. They've played multiple games without multiple starters in since week 10. So, like, a lot of their defensive metrics are skewed just because their best players haven't been on the field. But when the, that combination, that four, are on the field, the 49ers are generating pressure at fill in the blank. What would you guess? What do you think the pressure rate is when those four on the field? 20? 25? Triple, triple that. Triple that? It's 60%. Oh, I'm nice. dead serious, too. Like, it's it's not – it doesn't make sense. When those four on the field, like, they just get after the quarterback. We talked a little bit about those three-man games that they play. When Bosa kicks inside, when Young kicks inside. Um, they just – they guarantee one-on-ones, and those guys just win. Like, there's no other way to put it. When when one of those four aren't on the field, their pressure rate is 35%. Like, oh, no, now we can only get out of the pass or one <laughs> out of every three plays as opposed to three out of every five. It's Yeah, it's pretty insane how effective they are. 
Um, the, the talent discrepancy, whenever it's those four against whoever, whatever offensive line they're going against. I mean, we just haven't ran into anybody who can block them. And fresh off a of bye week, rested, you know, they're going to come out with energy yeah. because they're at home. So you're expecting to see like the best version of the 49ers defensive line. Have you guys had the dumb rest or rust conversation this week? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's the most the most played out conversation in sports if hey should we should we rest before the buy should we rest before the buy or not seem to work out for christian mccaffrey so that's really all i care about people don't understand like practice is a thing too like they, these guys yeah. practice man and they practice hard so they're not during these last couple of weeks they're, and they're, you guys are actually practicing this week like the packers aren't practicing this week basically because they just played 90 snaps right. of defensive football against the cowboys like yeah, no, Shannon said they're going hard on Monday, so. Yeah. Um, the one thing that worries me about the Niners' pass rush more than anything is it's not the edges. The Packers always have a really good game plan when they play against the top-tier pass rusher. Um, Max Crosby got them a couple times this year, but that was mostly – Yeah. He, he Well, he also doesn't leave the field, so, like, that also doesn't, you know, hurt. Um He's really the one guy who kind of went off against the Packers in terms of, you know, an, an edge guy. And that was mostly against the run, too. Um, I think the Packers are going to get a lot of ship help. I think they're going to leave their back into protection a lot, whether it's, you know, Jones or Patrick Taylor or maybe A.J. Dillon if he does end up playing. Um, but those guys kicking in on the interior, that's really where, you know, at most the help that you're going to get is, you know, having your center slide to the guy, right? Um, but Hey, they might have two guys that in an ideal world that you'll want to slide to. And that's not really how this the game plays is, out. You can't slide when you're on the move either. Right. Like you can't slide yeah. when you have a three man surface and two guys are going one way and one guy's going the other way. And that's all on the same side of the line of scrimmage and number 97 on the opposite side. So like, are you going to go chip him and leave the other three guys one-on-one against athletes in space? Just they, they put you in a really tough position to block and they're always on the move and there's they're never like we're not gonna go through an entire series where it's just Bolsa's right here uh eric's right here right. Like, they don't do that right so they don't make it easy to block they don't give you you know one one spot and then fred warner's gonna blitz too and he's a very productive blitzer right. so um when, when they do blitz they don't do it often but when they do they find really creative ways to get one-on-one matchups and, and dictate your pass protection rules that you're talking about to where, like, we're going to get ours, basically. And that's why I wonder if kind of, you know, so the Packers against the Dallas Cowboys, they were under center 60% of the time. They really wanted to present, you know, the threat to run at the very least, right? Whether they were passing or they were running, they wanted to present the threat to run. And a lot of that um, probably had to do with the fact that they had 200-pound linebackers out on the field, oh. the Cowboys. That's not going to happen with the Niners when, you know, you guys are going to have Fred Warner and stuff back there. But dissuading kind of those pass rushes and those stunts and stuff like that and hoping to maybe catch, you know, down blocks, being windshield wipers if you guys do end up, you know, blitzing on base downs and things like that um, to, you know, kind of open up the the play action game, almost like opening up the play action game by dissuading you from using those stunts and stuff in the, you know, on, on rundowns. Um, I wonder if that becomes a factor and then. That kind of goes into the conversation about like Aaron Jones. Can he 
you know, carry the ball 20 times against this uh, Niners, def- uh, you know, this Niners defense. It's something that he hasn't really done all season. Um, he obviously has been banged up, but he hasn't ever really asked to be the bell cow in Green Bay, right? Like they always kind of spell him with the second guy. And is A.J. Dillon going to play or not? Because he's listed as questionable right now. He's been listed as questionable in the past and ended up um, missing games. He has a broken thumb. He might have a club on that hand. Like, can you give him carries if he has a club on his hand? A lot of big questions. Like, they don't really seem excited about giving either Patrick Taylor or Emmanuel Wilson carries. Like, Patrick Taylor comes in mostly on passing downs to kind of help as a pass protector. And then Emmanuel Wilson got a couple carries last week, and it felt like every carry went for, like, two yards. So that's a big question for me is, like, can you keep up scoring with the Niners? Can you stay in run game? Do you want to use run game to dissuade? those pass rushers, and then do you have backs that can actually take you 60 minutes, you know? Yeah, so Packers in the second half of the season, they possess the ball the second most time of any offense in the NFL. They are going to take the air out of the ball, right? Their fourth slowest pace in the first half, so that's going to be the game plan coming in. Has Aaron Jones had a game in his career where he's had five straight games where he has – 20 touches, 20 plus. No, uh, this is the, the first time in his career that he's had uh, four straight 100 yard games. Yeah. <laughs> 200. 180. <laughs> After Thanksgiving. <laughs> yeah, I don't think he's making that weight. Uh-uh. Yeah. So, like, that would not be a concern coming in. Like, this is the fourth, fifth, whatever consecutive game is where he's having to tote the rock all the time for all the reasons you said, right? He's our best threat out of the backfield. Why wouldn't we? lean on him so like seeing if he holds up is going to be another thing um so we've seen plenty of teams especially since the bye week since actually the jaguars did it the offenses have really tried to get over on the 49ers defense by screening them to death and there will be drives in a row where whether it's the jaguars whether it's the cardinals like i can picture teams in my mind going down the field and spamming screens basically it's been successful how do you think the packers did they do any of that last week? And do you think we'll see uh, we'll, we'll pull some screens out of his bag? When I think about the, the Packers wide receivers, none of those guys really strike you as screen guys. Yeah, the Packers haven't been doing much screens with their wide receivers this year. They really try to get like the tight end screens going for a while. That's I mean. And they, they moved away from that. Um, really, all their auxiliary stuff is like end arounds with like Jaden Reed and stuff like that. They kind of. I can't remember what game it was, but there was one game where they spammed it probably like nine times, and then they were like, all right, we got to start sprinkling in other stuff. It might have been Tampa. might have been the Giants. I can't remember exactly which one of those. It was one of these, you know, blitz front teams where they were walking everyone down the line of scrimmage. Um, But, yeah, I would assume there's probably a better chance of these wide receivers, specifically Jane Reed and Christian Watson, getting end arounds than having screens thrown to them. Even, like... You know, prior to Love being the quarterback, right? One of the main things I think you would think of as like a LaFleur offense and would have been a difference in, you know, that previous question that, you know, one of my followers asked us were like, you know, what's the big difference between LaFleur and Shanahan? I would have said, you know, Matt leans way more into wide receiver screens, right? Like those little shield screens and stuff like that on the outside. But maybe that was a Rodgers thing more than a Shanahan thing uh, or a, a LaFleur thing. Um, so I think... Maybe tight end um, is a opportunity where they, they'll get screens more than anything else. Um, Jones had a big one against uh, the Chicago Bears in week one, but I can't remember another screen that's 
completely popped either out of the backfield or wide receiver recently. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, you want to offset the pass rush. You want to get, you know, their quote-unquote worst players in space one-on-one, try to take advantage. And and maybe at worst, you know, it's a four- or five-yard gain, and you're ahead of the six. Now you can still run the ball, right? Now you, you can still be in your quick game, your play action stuff, as opposed to, you know, you get stuffed on first and ten. Now you're behind the six. Now they get a pin that bad. Let's talk about this defense. Um it's going to be interesting. I, I worry a little bit about the matchup because Rashawn Gary is a great football player. One of the things that he is not so great at is keeping contained or um, playing the backside of like zone action, for example, right? When he's left unblocked and he's had to, you know, he's asked either chase down the running back from behind or, you know, play the boot on the quarterback. Kyle Shanahan is going to be doing that literally all game. That slide route is probably 10 to 15 to 20% of their routes where they do that little play action. The slide route comes from behind the line of scrimmage and whether it's yeah. Debo, whether it's Ayuk, whether it's Kittle leaking out of the backfield. If Gary is crashing down and isn't going to stay and, you know, hit that guy and slow him down. Good night, man. Yeah. And that's a play that the Cowboys hit in the low red zone two different times against the Packers. Right. Um, it's not surprising. It's kind of one of the frustrating things about uh, Gary's game, but we'll see how that ends up playing out. The outside linebacker position in general is going to be interesting. Preston Smith has played some of his best football in his career recently. Um, Enik Barre, like we already mentioned, probably tore his ACL. Lucas Van Ness is going to have to play a whole lot of snaps, more snaps in this game than he's played probably in any other game at the NFL level. Um, Van Ness is actually a guy who's pretty level good. <laughs> there we go. Oh, goodness gracious. Um, but, yeah, it's going to be interesting with, with really the whole linebacker level, actually, because Devondre Campbell was used as kind of like a third-down linebacker at the start of the game against the Cowboys before Isaiah McDuffie ended up going out with the Stinger. Um, and, really, the Cowboys were playing from behind, so they kind of had to play coverage the entire time. McDuffie was kind of playing first and second downs there. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how these linebackers match up. Again, we talked about the Shanoscope. I think the Shanoscope is uh, going to be one of the main things to watch in this game and probably what will be different in this game is that those linebackers are going to be put in a thousand different conflicts. Yeah, it's going to be hard for Shanahan to ignore what he saw in week 15 when, you know, Canales, I believe that's their OC's name, the Bucks OC's name, and they got, uh, what's his name, they got Campbell matched up a couple times and he gets like a hundred yep. yards. Yeah. Like that's it. Chris got a whole bunch not, of that's yards. That's not a Campbell issue, by the way. Like that's not on him. That's a schematic yes. issue. That's yeah, a Joe yeah, Barry yeah. issue, but he's going to have to do it because they've done it all year. So whether it's motion, whether it's just pre-snap, like he gets lined up that way, they're going to make, they're going to put him in a situation where he or, is or just like, Hey, our good receiver is going to be in the slot and he's running a drag. And in quarters, you got to take that guy. Like that's what yeah. Chicago did with DJ Moore. When DJ Moore got, he got like a 40 yard reception off of a drag basically. And it was just because he was matched up on Quay Walker. So yeah, it, it's going to happen at this game. That's why I'm like green Bay. I, I was Mr. Doom and gloom last week. Um, I was like, I don't really think the Packers are going to beat the Cowboys because I think CD is just going to go for a thousand yards. He looked like that in the second half. I don't know what was going on with him in the first half, um, but I'm not going to 
be Mr. Doom and Gloom again when Jordan Love is playing this hot, right? So you got to give him, you know, a puncher's chance. It's got to be, though, you know, the offense is scoring a ton of points because if the Packers get into some sort of a low-scoring game, at least on the offensive side, like the Niners, the Niners are going to get theirs. Yes, but I see. I I actually disagree. I don't think so. The Packers are going to win this game. It's because Gary doesn't do the things we were just talking about. It's because Van Ness wins his one-on-one matchups. It's because Kenny Clark pushes the pocket consistently all game, and Preston Smith wins every now. Like their their front has to dominate this yes. game. Like they can't win. Yes. It can't be a one where they win every now and then. They have to keep the 49ers in long, down and distance situation because if they do not, he is going to carve that defense up. And for like a lot of the reasons we just talked about, Cam, like Campbell's going to be in situations. Their linebackers, their new guys, Quay Walker, they're going to be in situations where they're going against Debo, they're going against Ayut, they're going against McCaffrey, and they're in these option routes, backside slants, or just like you said, just guarding shallows, man. And in their defense, they have to carry that. So, um, it, it, it's really tough, and that's why I think it, it has to come down to um, the Packers' front four and, and not very manufacturing pressure, uh, pressure. Right. That's what I was going to say is you need that low-hole help in this game. You can't keep continuously play blitz coverages like they have where they play cover three, but they have five guys on the line of scrimmage, so it's really three up, three under, and you're down one of those underneath defenders, right? You want that extra underneath defender in this game, and that means that, you know, in nickel – one, you might see a whole lot more nickel in this game, right? And then, two, it's not going to be one on ones. Like that, that center is going to get be able to help, you know, uh, block a uh, uh, Kenny Clark. And then when you have one on ones with, you know, Preston and Rashawn Gary, maybe getting chipped by Kittle or something like that. So you really only have like two one on ones, right? Where it's Devonte Wyatt and maybe uh, Preston Smith. But you got to be able to win those matchups. You have to. You have to against this team. Yeah, and I mean, teams that don't, teams that give Purdy all day, teams that really can't get over on it. I don't want to call the 49ers offensive line inferior, but right guard, fifth-round pick, fourth-round pick, uh, center before this past two years. Like, he started these past two years, but he was out of football for three years. Um, right tackle, fifth-round pick. Left guard is a second-round pick, but, like, he, he wasn't exactly a scheme fit. Um, left tackle, not bad, but everybody else outside of that. <laughs> left tackle, uh, not bad, is an understatement <laughs> for Trent Williams. Um, but outside of everybody else, like there, there are plenty of plays you can put on on tape where they're they're not holding up one on one. The scheme holds them up, and that's and that's why you know we're talking about spreading them out, going empty, getting rid of the ball quickly, letting your playmakers do the um, do the heavy lifting, run quick game with a lot of space. It just like Shanahan knows how to protect his offensive line. He's done that for multiple years, and this year's um, no different. So, okay, this kind of became a hot topic because Devontae Wyatt obviously said, right, uh, if you haven't heard it yet, um, he was basically like, put pressure on Purdy, you're going to be able to get a turnover, right? And a lot of people pointed out that, you know, Purdy is really good against pressure relative to how good quarterbacks play against pressure, right? He's near the top of the league, at least top five. And like any stat that you can try to manufacture with those numbers. Um, with that being said, he was at least statistically, like you look at the box score, and I remember I watched the uh Ravens game at least, but statistically, with the Browns and Ravens, right? 
it was it was real bad in terms of the production. Is there any truth to like if it gets bad for him, it starts to spiral type of thing? So when you think about their loss and you think about the turnovers, I think because he had two against the Vikings too. Like I think those were successive. Uh, he was clearly trying to force it. And, and the Ravens' early turnover, he, he said he just got – it was really strange. It was, it was almost refreshing that he was dishonest. But the first, the Kyle Hamilton turnover in the end zone, he said he was pretty much just riding the wave of hitting back-to-back explosive plays. And he said he got caught up in the moment, and he just forced the ball. So I was like, <laughs> Heat check, okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, no, seriously, that's what he said. He basically said, like, I went staff. That's a gamer. That's a gamer. Yeah, like I so when when I hear him say that, I'm like, oh, okay. So like he really is just like riding the momentum of the team when they're playing. I I really don't think so, honestly. Like you, you talk about you bring up the Ravens game and you look at those turnovers, like those are isolated events, like how those happen. When you look at the Browns one, um, like he, they didn't have the full complement of weapons because Debo wasn't playing and McCaffrey was banged up. And there were a couple of plays where like the defense just made good plays too. So, like, yes, he forced the ball. Yes, he he made throws that he shouldn't have. But there are so many other attempts where he's beating a pressure where, you know, things – like, he's had plays where he makes throws and, like, the defense doesn't catch the ball. He'll come right back and, like, still go bombs away and hit something. So, I, I really don't think so. I think he does have a good uh, – that short memory that every quarterback needs. And, like, when it rains, it – in in a sense because that's happened like when there's been one mistake there's been two mistakes mm-hmm. but there are just so few far in between that I, I don't think that's accurate that was the interesting thing to me because it's like two data points right but like how much can you make out of two data points and i'm sure Wyatt, um i'm sure the film that they're studying isn't brock purdy just carving up defenses right i'm sure they Probably wanted to turn on the losses. When he like, gets hit. Yeah, like, yeah, I'd be like, hey, let's see what kind of messes him up a little bit. Because when they're in rhythm, I mean, what's the point of watching, you know, McCaffrey went on a option route 50,000 times, right? Yeah, like, to be fair, like, he's throwing five interceptions when he hasn't been blitzed or pressured. So, like, to, to isolate his turnovers, like, when he's only pressured, like, that's not true. So yeah. you like your mind is going to naturally gravitate toward those extreme examples when the ball's tipped in the air or when it's the fourth quarter and he's outside. Well, how, how do you define ball. a pressure? I'm going to get my JJ Watt on. How do oh, you define boy. a pressure? Maybe the stats oh, are bad. Maybe disband so, all of them. If we want to go there, I'm any completion that results in a pressure, I'm canceling that out. I don't care. That doesn't matter to me, man. <laughs> Every incompletion is a pressure. Um. All right, let's talk about the second secondary. I don't think Jonathan Owens is a very good safety, but the Packers have been able to get away with it. Um, Darnell Savage has been playing better football than he has recent than he has, you know, in recent past. Carrington Valentine has been fine to me. Um, he's probably better than people think. I know a lot of people see seventh round rookie. I, I think he's been an above average corner for the team this year. Keyshawn is a route jumper, right? So like. It's a little bit of Let's feast or call famine. It what it is, baby. Yeah, he, he's a route. He's a route jumper, so it's a little feast or famine. There could be one way or another. He definitely does bring a lot of physicality in, like run fits and stuff like that. Though, like he's a chippy guy who flies to the football. Um, Which and is then a Jair for that position, by the way. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then Jair, you know, I think he's going to play. And when he can play, I mean, 
one of the best corners in the sport when he's healthy enough to play. So hopefully that ankle is as good as it was against Dallas. Cause if we're getting that version of Jair, I, th- I think we're going to be in a pretty good spot in that, in that situation. But the guys I'm really think, worried about, you think he's going to be healthy. Yeah, I think so. The way that they're talking about him, I think he's playing. I think he's so playing. I, I think he's going to play. I asked you, do you think he's going to be healthy? Is he going to be over 80%? <laughs> um, I mean, this is just speculation, right? I I don't sure. know. He, I I think he was healthy against Dallas. I think he, he was healthy. Good. Yeah, I think I think he was healthy enough against Dallas. Um, I hope they shoot him up with whatever he had in that <laughs> no, Dallas game <laughs> to to get going in this one. Um, so I think secondary wise, yeah, the the big thing I'm worrying about is Jonathan Owens, who just adds one more body to the spine of that defense. That I'm like the Shanoscope. He's going to have him under the microscope. As soon as they jump something, there's going to be a play action off of it, and I'm very worried about that. One job. There's there's a coach in the box that has one job this week, and it's to chart every time throughout the first 15, 20 plays, a Packers DB jumps one of their return routes or one of their slants or whatever, and they're going to come back two series later and bite him in the ass. So like, these double moves, these uh, these hitters down the, down the field, and it doesn't necessarily have to be a double move. If anything, the 49ers might come out and just throw a slot fade to do the opposite, right? To make them sit, think we're going up top. So that'll open up the little underneath high low stuff they like to run in. The uh, beating man coverage, the 49ers are very good at. Brandon Ayuk is one of the best wide receivers in the NFL at beating. Well, you won't see much of that from Green Bay. That's one of the good things. I mean, they're going to play some match quarter stuff and they're going to play, you know, blitz coverage with the three F three under. And then outside of that, it's pretty, pretty much just spot drop zone. Which means quick game, hot yards after the catch. 21 personnel spread them and empty whoever's in the weak slot like we're just running an option route with them yeah i, I it's gonna Your be an issue. Struggling to tackle? <laughs> is, is now a good time to bring up that they've allowed the fourth most yards after first contact i look i don't doubt it they've been better recently but yeah man there's been bad stretches of this defense and we're going against some very good skill players um, that's another one where I'm like, I don't the know. Step up in class I... is insane in this yeah. game compared to what they've seen. And obviously CD Lamb's a great player, but like we saw what they did to Brandon Cook. Like Michael Gallup's not a real person right now. Right. Um before that, the Bears, uh the Bucks have a good receiving core, but it was the Giants. It was looked what the happened worst version to them of against the, the Bucks. I mean True. No, exactly. Off. Thirty-four. So um if you just go down their schedule, like you're, you're looking at the receivers at the forty or the Packers are facing, like no, like none of these guys are starting. None of these guys are going to play. So that's again the the biggest thing that I could say about this Packers defense. I'm not worried about anyone who lines up wide, whether it's a receiver or you know Kittle or McCaffrey or whatever. Right? Not worried about whoever lines up wide. Everything over the middle, petrified. Pretty much petrified. I know. I know. Um. Our buddy Keegan from Next Gen Stats has has talked to me and sent me some stats over the last couple of weeks because they're doing packets and stuff for for playoffs. And they're, he's like, "Are the Packers really allowing this many yards over the middle of the field?" And I'm like, "Yes, dude." And it's does it match the eye test sometimes. of what he's sending? Yes, absolutely, a hundred percent. He sent me a bunch of stuff with the Dallas stuff going into last week because I brought it up to him, and he was like, "Oh my God, you're so right." And then. It just didn't play out in the first half. The second half, everything I thought that was going to happen played out. 
Um, the Packers got the win. Um, special teams, I don't know what you have on special teams-wise, but the Packers, again, Anders has been a little up and down. Waylon is dealing with an illness. He's their punter. Um, it sounds like he's going to be able to go. Anders is going to be the uh, emergency punter if he can't. Um, Nixon, great kick, kick returner. Team gets a lot of penalties, though. He didn't get any opportunities against Dallas, really. Uh, Jaden Reed is a solid punt returner, but nothing to write home about. What do, what do you guys got on the Niners side? Yeah, so George Odom was one of the league leaders in special teams tackling. He's like uh, multiple-time first-team All-Pro as like a non-returner, non-specialist. Yeah, like I think he got votes this year, and he missed like the last six games uh, for All-Pro. So Crazy. <laughs> um, also, lazy voters. So bad. Um, that we can we could probably do an hour on that. But so he's gonna he's gonna return. He, has, he hasn't technically been activated yet, but there's a, there's a good chance that he gets activated from the IR. Um, he's he's missed pretty much the past month. Uh, Ray McLeod's he's he's pretty solid. He'll have a return here and there, uh, whether it's against the punt, whether it's you know returning a kick to the thirty five yard line. So um, any obviously any added field position for the offense is just icing on the cake. Uh, the punter does actually a good job of pinning guys, uh, pinning teams inside the 15, inside the 10. Uh, Moody's been hit and miss, the rookie kicker out of Michigan. But like to say hit and miss is, is probably not fair to him. Like He had two misses this last week, but he didn't miss since the Browns game. And you, you bring up the Browns game, nobody's talking about Purdy's turnovers. If Moody just makes a freaking kick, a 40-yard kick, and like that, it feels like that's that was a couple – there were a couple occasions where that happened this year, but – not really too worried about the special teams in that sense. There, there were times though, when the younger guys were playing on the kick coverage units and there were obvious missed tackles. Um, then that showed up on the defense too. But a lot of the players who we worry about aren't going to play in this game. So it's tough to, you know, really say, Oh, you got to be worried about the kick team when no, it's going to be a bunch of veterans out there. Like Logan Ryan is going to be on the field right. covering kicks, man. All right. Predictions time. How do you see this one playing out? Uh, going back to PG, uh, to Paige, what's the bet? I, th- I think the 49ers are going to score uh, early and often. They are historically good at scoring on opening drives. Uh, I imagine Shanahan's going to have something up his sleeve in his first opening script. So uh, they come out and they kick the front door in. So I, I think we're going to see a different version of the Packers. I think we're going to see – the version of the Packers when they have to play catch up and like it's Thursday. So all week we've heard about the version of the Packers, you know, when they're in a neutral game script, right. When, when they have everything working in their favor or in we're using the last data point we have, which makes a lot of sense, but I don't anticipate the Packers, you know, being gifted to turnovers early where they can now dictate the game and do whatever they want on both sides of the ball. I think the poor Niners score early and often, I have them scoring 35. I think the Packers are going to have to play catch up. They're going to score because they are good and they have players who can make plays. And you talk about the screens. I think we're going to see Musgrave involved more and more um, now that he's back. And uh, they're going to have some for Jones, whether it's, you know. So I don't know if you you remember this, but when he was in college, like he was a very good receiver out of the backfield. So I imagine we're going to try to find a way to get him involved down the field in the passing game. So I, I think the Packers are going to be able to hit some. Love, just he's been making plays all pretty much the last two months. So, like, why would that stop here? But I think, you know, we talked about the pass rush. We talked about when the 49ers are healthy, when they have their four, their, their four core rushers, they're very tough. 
Um, I think the Packers are going to score 23, 20, 23 points. So let's go 35-23 Packers, or 35-23 49ers. I'm what right around that range with you, to be totally honest. Um, if If the Packers win this game, again, I think it's, yeah, the pass rush is going to be really important. And then the conversation out of this game, almost certainly, because the Niners are going to get their points, right? I think at least. I mean, maybe I'll have egg on my face after, you know, Packers are up 27-0 or whatever it was in back-to-back weeks. Um, Yeah, that's not going to happen. Yeah, I I doubt it, but that's what I said last week too. Um, This this ain't that. (laughs) Fair, fair. The conversation would have to be like, who can beat Jordan Love right now? Like, he has to have that level of a game. I know the Packers broke the uh, franchise scoring record for the postseason in the last game. Jordan Love had, like, the highest QBR in the history of the NFL uh, last game. It would have to be something similar to outgun this Niners offense. And that's not any sort of indictment on this Packers team, right? But just look at the skill players that they have. Look at the skill players that they have. And every single time use check is on the field, it turns into a massive mismatch game for this Packers team in terms of what the defense can present and what the offense can present. He's going to light up wide a lot. And so he's basically going to isolate one of your corners on a fullback. And then it's going to be on the other side of the field, in the slot, Debo and Ayuk, like it's really tough to, to defend in that sense. And um, we talked about the run. I talked about how, you know, the Packers struggle after contact. Well, Christian McCaffrey, like he averages 2.8 yards before contact. It's like the motion that they do sets him up well. And once he makes the guy miss, man, it's, it's off to the races. So they put a lot of pressure on you to score. And then they let the defensive line do the heavy lifting. And they're also – First in the NFL and interceptions and turnovers for drive. So, like, they'll get you behind the game script. to get you out of what you want to do coming into the game. And they force you into mistake because they have players who can take away specific portions of the field when not many teams can do that. So, it's – they are one of the best teams that I've seen. Like, well, they're definitely the best version of the 49ers since I've been covering them since they made the Super Bowl in 2019. But um, they're one of the better teams that I've, co- that I've seen in that time since then. So, it's – I mean – Saying that they're going to beat the Packers by 12, 13 points is in no means an indictment on the Packers. We're just talking about Jordan Love making his first start on the road in the playoffs, coming off a situation where they had a historic week um, of offensive yeah. output. That just doesn't happen two if weeks you, in a row. If you look at Super Bowl odds right now, and I did because I'm a degenerate, like the Niners are the highest by four because people just think this Niners team is just going to walk through the NFC into the Super Bowl, and then it becomes a game with, you know, either one of, you know, the Ravens, Bills, or Chiefs, right? And they're all they're going to be hot. favored over every one of those teams. Right, and it's, who, who you know, that's going to be a hot version of whoever wins the AFC, right? Because they're going to have two more wins than they have right now. Um, go ahead go ahead and plug in all, all your stuff, KP. Man, I've really just been trying to do, dissect this game um, from variance and luck to just running the ball to what we're talking about right now, right? Just, you know, what what needs to happen for the Packers? What could go wrong for the 49ers? Just go to NinersNation.com and you can pretty much find anything we have on this game. There we go. Go Pack Go, KP. Go Pack Go. <laughs> Enjoy the draft, buddy. <laughs> 
more to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today. Support for this show comes from Wix Studio. Designers and devs, you might be able to do your thing better on Wix Studio, a web platform with everything you need to deliver bespoke sites hyper-efficiently. Design teams get a ton of smart features that can take the grind out of web creation without it costing per-pixel control. Dev teams, you get a zero-setup, developer-first environment, combined with an AI code assistant and your preferred IDE for rapid deployment. Search Wix Studio today to explore the full range of features. 